Everybody's working. With that time's yours. I'd like to open this edition of Time Czars with a question. I'm Joshua Briscoe, and you're about to hear the voices of Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. And friends, I want to ask you, is there a chance that we are now at a point with the Kansas City Chiefs where we are bored by a 500-yard performance with no turnovers and 33 points? Is that normal now? Is this the place that we will live in for now and maybe the next decade and change? Possible. I mean, I... I mean, Seth, you're in the stands. Uh, please tell us were, were people like pretty much like, OK, I guess we can hit the old highway at 3013 <laughs> late in the third quarter. <laughs> you know, people did leave a little early, like, you know, Lamar Jackson kind of made it interesting. But like throughout the entire fourth quarter, even as the Ravens scored 15 points and kind of came within like they just needed another miracle or two, you know, that kind of thing. The stadium was like never worried. It was the most bizarre thing because every other time I've been at Arrowhead, I mean, look, we're a shell-shocked group, Chiefs fans. We are, we're always waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop. Like at the playoff game against yes. Indy. Oh, they're always staring into the sky, just waiting. Is that a shoe? Is that, yeah. no, Seth, that's a cloud. It looks like it could be a shoe <laughs> about to drop. It, it looks like a stealth bomber emerging from clouds, which on a side note, literally the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But that's a whole nother. Yeah, that actually Yeah, happened. that was amazing. But no, they were like, there was almost an air of detachment. Like on that last uh, Ravens drive. The crowd was barely yelling. Like, I mean, we were kind of, but it was very, like, half-hearted, like, uh, can we go home, seriously? Like, my voice hurts. <laughs> and, you know, I, and there was just, it was so weird, the level of detachment. Like, look, even if they score, the Chiefs are going to take the ball down and at least run the clock down or score. So we're going to be fine, and that's what happened. And it was weird. Even when they like, oh, they're going to kick it onside. For, well, the Chiefs are going to recover it. It's going to be fine. Or, you know, an onside <laughs> kick. And that it was such a reverse. It, In the indie playoff game, people were freaking yeah. out when they were up like 20. And now we're pretty chill. It's unbelievable the, the, the turn that has happened around this fan base because of the change that happened to quarterback. And then all of the proof that he continued to lay out last year all the way into the AFC Championship game, when even that wasn't another shoe dropping. I mean, it kind of was, but it wasn't the offense's fault, and it wasn't the fault of anybody still on the team at this point, or you can look at the overtime rules, or everyone traded away. It's just, I, I find that so interesting, because I can imagine if we were doing this podcast any point at any point over the last several years, not including last year, a 500-yard offensive game would have been preceded by confetti cannons, and today, it's just like another, yep, they're 3-0, business-like, just, you know, came back to Kansas City, won that game against probably the third-best team in the AFC. Got back on, getting on the plane now, got to go to Detroit. No big deal. And that's what we're going to talk about here, if you haven't caught on yet, on Time's Ours. We're all here, and the Chiefs beat the Ravens 33-28 to in a game that Seth is arguing, you know, even as it was a five-point game and the Chiefs were sitting there on third and nine, everyone was already looking at their watch and trying to figure out wh wh how long it would take to get out of parking. <laughs> uh, it's a really strange place that we're in, Nate. And you were there. Seth was there. I was obviously uh, back at 810 getting ready for the post-game show there. So we have kept our eyes on this action because it's literally our jobs. What was your biggest takeaway from it, Nate, other than the fact that at this point the air of confidence 
over the heads of Chiefs fans is is strangely strangely palpable at this point. Yeah, and I think they're I think they're the the biggest takeaway that I took from it and I hope this is the case for every game. Like, hey, what's the big takeaway? I don't know. I'll write about it. Uh, so, <laughs> in the athletic, uh, late last night, you know, early today, if you're listening on a lovely uh, Monday afternoon, is the idea that Patrick Mahomes is is he's so good. He's incredibly good in terms of footwork, arm strength, accuracy, uh, decisiveness. Now, understanding who you know, sort of one on one matchups that sort of favor the offense. And now, folks. It's pretty clear through two weeks of, or excuse me, three weeks now of the whole idea of like, hey, you know, everybody on the league has tape. Everybody knows what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are doing. (laughs) I know Seth's favorite word is regression. It's just clear now that Patrick Mahomes is going to get better because he's starting to see the field and the football sort of. The 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 pieces on the chessboard. He's starting to see it in the way that Andy Reid does, and that's. Pretty impressive for someone who's just turned 24 with the idea that now in these Saturday night last second meetings about, hey, let's let's go through it one more time just so we're clear before the noon kickoff where Patrick Mahomes is saying, I know exactly what I want to do based on the game plan we've created on a specific situation that will ensure us a victory. And that obviously was the case in the fourth quarter yesterday where it's his call, basically. He tells Andy Reid, this is the play I want. Yep. A little play action, yep. pump fake to the to the wide receiver nearest to the sideline, and then we come back on a screen to what would have been LaShawn McCoy, but because of his injury late in the second half, it's Daryl uh, Williams, excuse me. And they get, you know, I think it was 14 yards or 16 yards instead yep. of a third and nine. That sort of ends the game, and he completely beats the Ravens with his mind. Not just... His arm, his feet, his athleticism, his elusiveness in the pocket. It's gotten to a point now where they are starting to see the game the same way. Where they understand, okay, here's our strengths. Pat knows what I'm going to do if I'm Andy Reid. Andy Reid knows what I want if you're Patrick Mahomes. And now the two of them are really in a football marriage that seems to be flourishing really from week to week now. Where, as I wrote, no matter what opposing defenses present to you. And the Ravens are a good defense who blitz a lot. Who like to give you different coverages Based on the situation, they had an answer for everything yesterday. And that's why it yeah. seems odd, Josh, that you're right. It's whole hum, 500 yards, 33 points. It honestly could have been more points if they honestly needed more in the fourth right. quarter. But they sort of mm-hmm. packed it in once they got the 30-13 to 13 lead. I, I mean, any answer, any challenge you give them, they have the answer right now. Whether it's Patrick Mahomes is just physical gifts on the field or the two men working together from a schematic standpoint to give the rest of the guys on the field an advantage. And calling a screen pass to get a touchdown and then coming right back to a similar screen to win the game is just, I mean, that's that's pretty much a mic drop from a football game planning standpoint for both the Hall of Fame coach and the league's MVP. You can say the Hall of Fame quarterback. We know. <laughs> we know you wanted to say it. You didn't have he, to say he is on a path, he, he is on a path quicker to the Hall of Fame than anyone has ever ever been on which again is it's again like i read these like historical stats after the game and i'm just like yeah that seems right i mean patrick mahomes the second quarterback (laughs) ever like the second quarterback in all of nfl football to throw 300 yards three touchdowns no interceptions for three straight games just yeah i read that stat and was like yeah that seems about right like (laughs) nothing sort of confuses me yeah sounds about right yeah that him and tom brady yeah that that sounds that sounds like hall of famers yep Mm mm-hmm 
only 370 a game, like only three touchdowns. Like, man, you know, you know, he, right. he could have probably thrown another one or two. You know, it's like it, we're becoming right. Right. we're becoming the thing which we hate. This like spoiled <laughs> fan base. We really are, and I am here for it. I have spent the last Yeah, it's great. I love it. This is so much cool. Oh, I've been so stressed <laughs> out for a quarter of a decade. And now I'm just like I mean, like seriously, that was and you, there was still a little buzzing in the crowd late, but I mean, Arrowhead went from, I mean, it was rocking earlier. Like, I'm in pain, guys. But they, they just late, it was such a weird vibe. It's something I've never felt before. And I felt the same way. I was like, guys, it's going to be fine. Like, it's the same feeling I had when they went down 10 nothing against the Raiders last week. It was like, yeah, it's probably going to be all right. Was that your biggest takeaway, or was there something else, Seth? Because I, I, by the way, again, if anyone didn't pick up on this, also I should mention today's the free episode of Times Are, so anyone can be listening right now. If you're not subscribed to the Athletic, you're missing the article that Nate's talking about, where you can see the quotes from Reed and Mahomes. And I, I was listening to the pressers live again at eight ten, and and I heard Nate asking or following up on these. Actually, you know what? I don't even know. Nate, did you steal someone else's question? It doesn't really matter. I heard somebody following up on that question with Mahomes, and I was so excited. I was like, ah, yes, someone's going to write mm-hmm. about this, and I'm already so excited, and I hope it's Nate, because it's going to have the little moving pictures in the article, and it's excellent. Yeah, um, yeah I, I spent... It, if, you, if you didn't... Right. I was going to say this. I spent about 30 minutes uh, in the press box Sunday, so I, I do this for our readers, for our subscribers. Hope everyone appreciates it, but it is not normal to, like, Go from the locker room, from the podium with Mahomes. Go back to the to the to the press box and be like, "Okay, I need to watch week two film of Chiefs Raiders to find this one play that Mahomes mentions where it's similar to what they sort of built off on to sort of mind screw the Ravens." Where it's like, "Yeah, you think we're going? No, yeah. it's a screen. We can't yeah. tackle him. He's got yeah. the first down." So <laughs> yes, I, I appreciate you, Josh, for recognizing that. That, and I even told my wife Holly that yesterday. I was like, "Yeah, I, I watched like." 40 minutes of film because I went through every pass attempt that Mahomes made in Oakland just so I could understand, okay, that's the play that he's referencing that they sort of use and that he kind of knew, hey, if we give him a similar formation with a similar three wide receivers to the left, the Ravens are going to automatically assume that that's where the pass goes. And if I give a hard pump fake, half the defense went that direction and they were virtually uh, eliminated from the play. Um, So, yes, I hope people appreciate that. But, yeah, it was very odd yesterday to be like, okay, I just watched – a game that happened before my eyes literally less than an hour ago. And I'm going to go on the computer and watch the game from last week. <laughs> why, why is that weird? And it help, but that helps you understand what the Chiefs yeah. are right. doing, which is incredible. Like, and it, so, again, I mean, th- I'm a broken record at this point. But there's no, no, there's no doubt that there's a lot of Chiefs content on the Internet. I think you're going to have a really hard time finding that anywhere else. So just come here. Plus, you can get our Friday episodes, which I also need to mention. We do two episodes a week, but if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you only know about this one, and you're missing the good game preview stuff. Anyway, uh, Seth, your, your takeaway that's not uh, how great The Athletic is. Well, but why is that weird to go back and watch film from previous games? I don't understand. Like, is that I, not I, I just don't normally does? do it within, <laughs> within the hour of the game concluding. Is, is that not normal? Am I, am I the freak here? Oh, I, I thought I was no, normal. You're, no, Seth, you are you're a special you're a special treat <laughs> and a special part of this team that we're all on. But you are a little <laughs> off. I'm a little off base. I did use the term "slain in the spirit" in a tweet earlier, so I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes, biggest takeaway. I I am not as awesome as Nate. I have not. Mine's 
as we record, my article's not ready yet. In my defense, I was in a car for 10 hours yesterday, but I know that's no excuse. Winners never quit. Quitters never win. Voice to text. Let's yeah, go. I, know. <laughs> I don't know what my problem is. You know, I was letting my wife sleep because she had surgery a couple weeks ago while I drove. Instead, I should have been like, hey, hey, we need content and you need to drive, woman. I didn't do that because she's... Honey, type. Yeah, yeah, type, honey, type what I'm saying. Transcribe this. Anyway, so what I'm currently <laughs> writing about is a few things. One, I mean, really, after a few plays that were really, I mean, the number of 50-50 balls that Lamar Jackson got away with, uh, the, the, the corners should be a little ashamed. Like, they did a good job throughout a lot of the game being tight in coverage. But, like, you got to knock down a couple of those 50-50 passes. Like, you got to. Or at least get a P.I. instead of just letting them catch the ball. Um, but despite that, despite Jackson performing several miracles with his legs, it still wasn't even all that close. You know, they, 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 they pull within eight. Then the Chiefs run out some clock and score a field goal. And then the Ravens take kind of too long to score a touchdown. It just doesn't really – it was still never that close. The big takeaway for me is that – so the Chiefs are without Tyreek Hill. They're without Eric Fisher, who is an impre- incredibly important part of their offense because of the role they ask him to play. We talked about this before the game. Um, they're without Damian Williams, who has a big role on the offense, even though I think McCoy is the superior player. They're without all those guys, and they still just rolled one of the best defenses in the NFL, one that gave mm-hmm. them a ton of trouble last year. The Chiefs' mm-hmm. offense last year is on a whole different level than what it, or this year is on a whole different level than what it was last year, which is scary because last year they averaged 35 points a game, but they are better. They they are better. You know, the, the Ravens are better than they were last year, but the Chiefs have improved by so mm-hmm. much that you know the, the the general overall takeaway of what I'm writing here, which you should still subscribe to read it, of course. Is that you know last year it, it, it took Mahomes pulling off miracles in order for the Chiefs to beat the Ravens. This year it took multiple miracles, multiple lucky plays, a couple of drop picks by Tyron Matthew, and then a, a drop pass by Sammy Watkins on third down that really ices the game. It all those things. For the Ravens to be kind of, sort of, within an onside kick close at the end. That's the difference between those two teams right now is the Chiefs, a hobbled Chiefs team that didn't, you know, grab any special luck plays. They still beat them fairly convincingly. And that's awesome. Um, I don't know what it was that sent me down this rabbit hole, but I am here now. And if I don't say it now, I'm going to be thinking about it for the, the remainder of the show. So I just wanted to give you one quick Patrick Mahomes stat that I have I've been keeping tabs on now for over a year because it makes me extremely happy. <laughs> um, Troy, Troy Aikman played uh, 165 games in his NFL oh, career. No. Oh, uh, no. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is now 20 games oh, in his no. career. <laughs> oh, no. And Patrick Mahomes has thrown 36% of Troy Aikman's career touchdowns <laughs> oh. in about eight percent of the games that would be hall of famer troy and look look troy aikman that would be hall of famer 10 year playing 11 year playing troy aikman Aikman had like michael irving who was really good he was like he was great yes (laughs) wow he played for he played for 11 seasons and this is just regular seasons if i went and added playoffs i don't actually imagine it would be good for Mahomes. uh it's unbelievable like it is the, the the first of all, I 
purposefully chose Troy Aikman for this stat long ago because his stats are hilarious <laughs> in retrospect. Um, but it also goes to illustrate where we're at right now with Patrick Mahomes. And where we're at is freaking cuckoo land. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Um, Seth, I really like that that takeaway. And so we can, you know, we can go multiple directions even from that. But I'd like to push push both of you guys a little bit on the idea that it wasn't all that close or that the offense, you know, was firing on all cylinders. Because while I, I don't explicitly disagree with anything you guys said in the last 10 minutes, um, I do I do have just the slightest kind of like tug at the collar whenever the Chiefs don't score in the second half. I mean, over these last two weeks, they've scored 10 points total in the second half in two games that they largely controlled. And so, I'm, I, again, I, I don't feel like the game was slipping away. There weren't a bunch of turnovers through the second halves. They just weren't doing very much, and the game slowed down a little bit, perhaps. But is that anything that that, that hops up on your, your guys' radar? Is there any thought to, like, well... Even if that's a purposeful choice of letting their foot off the gas, Nate, is there any thought that maybe they shouldn't be? Because that's kind of where I'm at. It's it's a delicate balance. And even Mahomes mentioned it yesterday uh, in his news conference, the idea that, like, hey, if this was up to me, we'd go for it all the time. Like, Patrick Mahomes would be Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> yeah. and that probably would go better than what Jim Harbaugh Cooked up there on, uh, right. especially because he's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Everything's better when you're Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> especially on those weird two point conversions. Jim, you're down, but 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 why? You're down eleven. Just kick oh, the extra point. Right. That be that as it may. Uh, <laughs> the whole idea that the offense knows they're up by double digits. They know they're up by two scores. Uh, whether it's twenty eight to ten or yesterday, where it's like okay. Baltimore goes down the field to start the second half, uh, gets 75 yards all on running play, scores a touchdown, and it's like, you know, okay. I mean, it, it's like one of – it reminds me of that gif of uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson where he goes, oh, I mean, all right. And he's like, okay, I guess I have to <laughs> score again. Um, and right. so, you know, Patrick Mahomes is, is pretty, you know, accurate with the ball and decisive. And I feel like Andy Reid – is still holding plenty back. And when you're up two scores, there's just this idea of like, hey, man, like when it gets tight, we know exactly the play to use. Obviously, we mentioned the the, the sort of elaborate screen, uh, screen pass that not only got Shady McCoy his touchdown to sort of extend the lead back to 30 to 13, but also the, the play on third and nine to, to essentially end the game. But I feel like Andy Reid knows that there's more plays that they could go to if necessary, but they you just kind of don't want to reveal everything too much. And it is only week three. Um, and we've yet to see a team push the, the Chiefs in the second half. Like, honestly, even, you know, for Gardner Minshew, and we now know that, like, hey, he, he might be a thing. <laughs> for all of Gardner Minshew's sort of heroics in the second half, that game was never close. I mean, we mentioned that um, mm-hmm. in the podcast, you know, the Monday edition after, the, you know, the opening season opening win. So, like, the Chiefs have never really been in one-score games in the second half. It's kind of odd. I mean, it's a luxury that you would, you know, continue to want if you're a Chiefs fan. But I feel like the defense has done everything you could ask them to do. And yesterday, it just got weird because instead of Gardner Minshew, who you had literally never seen before and had never, like, even considered (laughs) game planning, he was like, why in God's name would we game plan for Gardner Minshew? Who? I didn't even (laughs) heard of this dude. Um... You know, so instead of that happening in the second half of the season opener, what happened uh, yesterday in the home opener is, man, 
it's hard to chase Lamar Jackson for four hours. And at least Lamar tired. started to real mm-hmm. Yeah, Lamar started to realize that too, where it's like, okay, like I may not be as accurate as I want today. Like guys aren't running open, which by the way, Bashad Breeland doing a better mm. job than we all kind of anticipated. Because he took away. Uh, he took us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Seth. You said he might be a slight upgrade over Steven Nelson as probably would be Steven Nelson. Are you happy? I remember the things you say, Seth. <laughs> you didn't say he was going to be not Naughty Asamoah in his prime reincarnate. Well, that, no, I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I listen, Seth, and I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable standing by that. <laughs> but I, I, I knew. Sorry, he, I, sorry, knew I got, he, I got mad that he interrupted you, Nate. Oh, no, that's sorry, fine. Nate. I knew he. No, no, no. The, 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 the whole idea, the whole point I'm making is like the Chiefs. Look, if you look at all the three and O teams, like um, outside of the Patriots, who obviously don't ever sweat in the second half, the Chiefs are the closest team to that. Where it's like, hey, like. We're still playing. It's still fun, but like eh, <laughs> yeah, we just we just fun. we just explode in the second quarter. You go in the locker room. You know you've pretty much already lost. We yeah. come out and we play thirty minutes of semantics. So like eh, it's okay. Yeah, thirty minutes of semantics. Oh, that should have been the name of the podcast. Oh, what a hundred percent should have been the name of this podcast. Did you guys know that Namdi Asamoah is like actually an actor and producer now? What? <laughs> Yeah, he's got a he's got a decent IMDb coming together. Oh, oh read me his best work, please. <laughs> um, he, I mean, so like there was the Netflix beasts of the film of Beasts of No Nation. He was apparently like a producer on that one, like awards and stuff. Okay, okay. He's he's got a few acting credits over the last couple of years. It it appears that he might be doing more production at the moment. I'm gonna keep digging into this, but like, it's not—it's not like Jackass 17. Like, it, it's like it's like their films. Hey, I, I appreciate guys who can who can do who have duality to them that can be obviously high performing athletes and like the one percent of like athleticism and uh, determination and like, oh my god, this game hurts, and they can come back and say, hey, I want to do this or I want to do that. So shout out to shout out to him. There's a Bleacher Report article from 2017 called From NFL Sundays to Sundance, Namdi Asamoah is Living His Best Life. So you guys can talk about the Chiefs. I guess I'm going to just read this story during the show. It's a pretty good headline. Uh, Really? It's a really good headline. It's a pretty good headline. Um, All right, Seth, do you have anything to refute on the uh, maybe the Chiefs shouldn't take their foot off the gas thing? Somehow we're 22 minutes into this show already. I'm just going to I'm going to read you something. The Chiefs first uh, drive in the second quarter. Run. Okay. Run. 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 Fourth and one was going to be a run given the way everyone was blocking and moving, but it was a bad snap. That does not scream we are still going full tilt to me. That's just my opinion. No, it, it's not. But it's, but what I'm saying is that's a 10-point game, though. Like, I don't love that there. Yeah, I don't love it that much either. But then their next possession, so then... So then the defense, to their credit, boom, Gotta three stop. and out. Yep. yep. Three and out, which, I mean, honestly was a was a very good – I mean, the, the defense was better last year. You know, Oh, they gave up you know more points or whatever they did last year. The defense was much better against Baltimore than they were last year. They made them earn it. Mm-hmm. Every yard, every mm-hmm. big play that they had, by and large, they had to earn, right? And it was it – was it was, there were multiple plays by multiple guys. And then you look at the very next drive, first play – Deep ball to Watkins, 36 yards. Uh, pass to Robinson for seven yards. 
and then you had one little run, then you had a bunch more passes, and it ends in a touchdown. I mean, this is just, I don't, I think Andy does take his foot off the gas a little bit too soon. Yes. Um, but some of these things that happened really in the second half, a bunch of things went in the Ravens' favor in terms of luck. So, for example, you know, mm-hmm. on on the Chiefs' drive that started, uh, you know, with like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, that ended with a Sammy Watkins drop on third down. That really, had he caught that, now you're looking at a first and ten with you know something like you know, 10 minutes and 50 seconds left and the the Chiefs are marching, probably going to get at least a field goal instead of punt. And then also with Matthew dropping a couple of picks, and then, you know, again, you know, Jackson's miracle heave across his body on the... On uh, third and 17! Yeah, I mean, that was just... You can't compare that, and I thank God no one has yet because my brain would explode. You can't compare that to the fourth and seven to Tyree Kill last year. Because the 4th and 7 to Tyree Kill was perfectly placed in a spot that only Tyree Kill could get to it. Lamar Jackson just blindly heaved it up. And I get it. He had to. I'm not knocking him for that. He had to. It was 3rd and 17. you got to throw the ball up. But it's not the same thing. That was an incredible skill play by Hill and Mahomes last year. This was luck. This was a 50-50 ball. And they kept winning those coin flips. Matthew takes even one of those picks and it's a very very different game so really i understand kind of because you know you you don't always want to make all these excuses you know but the reality of the situation is the ravens had almost every big break go their way in the second half and it still just wasn't really that close to enough the thing there i mean i'll i'll leave it at this and people can you know Follow my other work if they want to hear me question this more. And I'm not, I'm not, I didn't keep me up last night, but like the, for me, the thing that, that frustrates me there, Seth, is to say, well, you, they had all the good luck. If we have to come in here in late January and do this podcast and it ends with, well, the Patriots just had all the good luck late in the game. What, what are you going to do? Like, I, I don't want that to be a part of the conversation. Like, I don't, I don't want the Ravens to have an opportunity to get every good break in the world because the Chiefs offense is good enough to always be up by 14 or 20. And whenever you're up by 20, if you scored six touchdowns in a row and you get a couple of stops and then you take your foot off the gas, totally fine. That's totally, that's a totally different conversation to me than starting to pack it in at literally the first drive of the half. Like I, I don't need it there. Maybe the first drive of the fourth quarter, it wouldn't hurt my feelings any, but that's, and maybe we're arguing degrees, but it's, I don't know. It's something, it's, it's maybe the one negative thing from this game that I came out with, because it seems like it's been a pattern with, with Reed's calling these games. And again, if I'm going to come up with a problem or a thing I don't like, that's it. And I'm being negative for whatever reason. Yeah, wow. it's all right. I mean, I mean the, yeah. the, the thing is, is that we, I, I do want to see how the team reacts when it's a close game in the second half, just because we haven't seen it yet. You know, and this is, this is yeah, still a new, sure. yeah, this is still a new collection of defensive players that you do want to see how they're going to take more tense situations, how they're gonna how they're gonna perform. But no, I, I totally understand sort of the, the the thought process there, Josh, because you know when you get closer to November, December, and obviously January, as the weather gets colder, as game plans start to shrink because you know um what you know you don't have you have 14 games necessarily on tape. So you've you pretty much seen mm-hmm. much of the artillery. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how the defense I think performs primarily when, hey, um, it's a one-score game and we need to stop, or 
we're down four points and we need to get a stop or at least hold the offense to a to a field goal so that we can give Mahomes yeah. uh, and Andy Reid a chance on offense. Um, okay, so follow up question. We're going to, uh, to to you here, Seth, because I feel like I feel like I've I've sucked the energy out of your soul. Is Demarcus Robinson now Jerry Rice? <laughs> <laughs> the Ener- Arrowhead. Arrowhead Stadium sucked the energy out of my soul. Uh, <laughs> I, am, I am emotionally drained in the best possible way. And Demarcus Robinson is just, man, man. I, I, now I'm no Nate, so I cannot pull this off, but I'm going to say it anyway. Go get your money, Demarcus Robinson. Go get it. Get that paycheck. Nate, how was that? Oh, it was, it was, I'm, I'm, I applaud you. I applaud you. Hey, somebody mentioned That was like the store, that was like the store brand Frosted Flakes. You're like, I know what they're trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) But I know what they're attempting. I was going to say, somebody on Twitter mentioned to this, mentioned this to me uh, yesterday. And I know our our good friend and buddy, Therese Paler says this all the time, but somebody tweeted me was like, hey man, that contract, that contract year is undefeated. And I was like, yes, sir, it undefeated. is. Undefeated. <laughs> and Robinson. Undefeated. Robinson is going to. Never look, lost. Cheese fans. Cheese fans, enjoy this. Because Robinson, unless a miracle occurs, is going to be too expensive to keep. Right. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go yep. out there and get some, you know, $18 million a year contract. Although, crap, the way he's playing lately, he might. But yeah. he has shown. And, and this is one of the differences I'm, I'm actually writing about. He's always had physical talent. He's always had good quickness, speed, size combination. Always had good hands for the most part. But now he's not just doing that, but he's he's where he's supposed to be. He's trusting his routes. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last week. And so you combine that and suddenly just good things happen. And this is also easily the most run that he's ever gotten you know Chris Conley was a favorite of the offensive staff so he always got some snaps and now he's just getting a lot of run and he can play Demarcus Robinson is a guy who I think a team could have as their number two wide receiver and be very 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 happy with and maybe and I again you know maybe this is just recency bias I think a team would be not super thrilled with him as their number one but they could get by and and on the Chiefs, he's, he's wide receiver three and threat right. four. Maybe, I mean, maybe it, maybe four based on how McColl's playing, right? Yeah, right. yeah, with how McColl's yeah. playing. Yeah, it's just it's crazy how how talented the Chiefs are. But yeah, Robinson, he's playing so well. He runs good routes. He takes advantage of where he's supposed to be, and that's a change in my opinion. He hasn't always been where he's supposed to be. And now he has, Nate and I used to talk about last year all the time with Chris Conley. Like, he always went exactly where the route took him. Like, that's why Andy Reid loved him. It's like, I'm going to go, you said right there, there are eight defenders there, but I am setting up shop right there. (laughs) It's like the Alex Smith of wide receivers, right? Just like, I'm going to do exactly what you told me to do. And because of that, every now and then in some games afterwards, Nate and I would watch and be like, oh my God, Chris Conley was open the whole game. Like, I don't think they... I think they forgot he existed. And so Robinson now, because Andy Reid's route combinations are that good. The rest of the offense is that talented. I mean, Hardman now with the second week in a row, just that he's going to get so many opportunities to take advantage of. Get your money, Demarcus Robinson. Go get it. Get a payday. Get $10 million a year. That's what I'm shooting for for him. I hope he gets $10 million a year from his next team. He is already a Miami Dolphin in my mind. <laughs> well, well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say this, Josh. That's a great point. He's already a Chicago Bear in my mind because if you're Matt Nagy, Ooh. 
Ooh. You're like, yo, like, hey, I was on the staff when we drafted you. Hey, man, come over here. Like, I got Allen and like Trey Burton. I mean, we're, we're gonna hey, we Miami's going to Miami's going to come and say, I got. A hundred and twenty million dollars in tax <laughs> and Tua. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Tua. Maybe a healthy Albert Wilson. Like, hey, come on down. Yeah. You know, Miami yep. also undefeated. Hey, come on. You know, yes, Miami. Think? Miami has a good track record. Um, you, Seth, you said ten million is your goal. I want you to keep in mind Albert Wilson's contract oh. with, with these same Dolphins. <laughs> it was. What is it again? Three years, twenty-four million. Yeah, I think like his cap number him. next year is ten point eight. Demarcus Robinson's gonna get twelve. Twelve. Like, it, it's yes. Going, this, someone's gonna give Demarcus Robinson a lot of money if this keeps up. Yes, I, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I would love to see that. I would love for the Chiefs' offense to become the kingmakers over the next ten years. Because yeah. we've we've yeah. seen it right with the Patriots with like coaching and players mm-hmm. and all this stuff which i mean hey you know brendan daly seems to be an exception to that because the defensive line looks like it's doing its job but that's neither here nor there but that you see guys you know they get paid coming out of new england and then they're all right you know but they're never what they were right and and hey i don't mean i want robinson to fail wherever he goes but i just want the chiefs to be kingmakers i want guys to be like wait you know what i need to do i need to go play in kansas city for a year so I can get paid because that matters. Free agents choose the Patriots for a reason. I want the Chiefs to be that. And I think they're on their way to that. If you're a wide receiver, right, and you're really talented, but you're maybe coming off a slightly down year or whatever, a one-year contract with the Chiefs is like, that's like that, that's like career revival right there. Yeah. I think that's going to work for basically everybody except for Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh. He was too, he was too far. Oh, it hurts. Yikes. <laughs> Time out for Icy Hot. That was so unfair. I'm, I'm sorry to Kelvin Benjamin, who I happen to know for a fact, actually, is an athletic subscriber and loves this podcast. Exactly. Uh, apologies to, to Kelvin Benjamin. Last thing on the offense, I think at least for me, guys, uh, Nate, there was there was no Eric Fisher. Cam Irving was out there, and there were a couple of times. <laughs> saying he was out there might actually be the end of my analysis. He was out there, <laughs> he was out and there. there were a couple of moments where like, oh, Cam! And then there were like, I would say, 20-minute long stretches where you kind of forgot that there was a backup left tackle. And then you go, oh, Cam. Uh, so how did he hold up there? <laughs> well, the, the the best part about it was, and I even told uh, fans on Twitter, I was like, hey, um, the first drive, Patrick Mahomes got sacked. Um, you could clearly tell why that was the case. And, uh, hey, look to see how often Andy Reid helps Cam Irving by having either Blake Bale or or, or – or, uh, Travis Kelsey sort of chip off the edge, or even if it's LaShawn McCoy before he runs his route. They did do that a little, but they did it less than I would have done. I, I think I would have gave Cam every opportunity to succeed. But the more, and, and and this goes back to last week and what Seth mentioned too, the, the, the further the game goes along or as the game progresses, he gets better. So that's a better trend than you would want otherwise, where it's like, hey, he's really good on the 15-play script. But after that, it's like, oh, no. So he, he does get better as the game goes on. He is much better in pass pro. That is that is clearly the case. And what I've always said about Kim Irving is like, hey, 
Um, Cam Irving is is really athletic given his size and stature and his position. And Andy Reid likes to run screen plays or plays to the outside where it's a little bubble screen or whatever. Like, just get Cam running. You don't have to block anybody. In fact, Cam, I would tell you don't touch a single person on your on your on your route sort of to get out into free space for the running back or the wide receiver mm-hmm. running screens, but just get out there. And so at least Andy Reid was like, hey, well, this is the game for screen plays because obviously we know the Ravens are Pretty tough about blitzing, about hitting the quarterback uh, the most in the league entering Sunday's game. So, like, at least they they used Cam Irving the correct way as the game sort of progressed. But sure enough, like, Patrick Mahomes was only sacked once on uh, yesterday. And that was largely because, you know, Cam got whiffed. But if that only happens every Sunday moving forward, as long as Eric Fisher's out, I think you take that if you're the Chiefs. Like, hey, Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to keep any quarterback having a clean sheet in terms of sacks. But hey, if he only takes one sack, and if it's largely because of you, that's okay. Because like that is average <laughs> left tackle production, and we'll take it as long as we yeah. score thirty three points and five hundred yards. If you give up one yeah. sack, we cool with that. Seth, anything to add on that? No, I think that summed it up pretty well. I mean, I saw Irving have some tough snaps, and the Ravens have a really good front. Um, they're really well coached, but overall. I mean, you could tell the pressure was coming. It wasn't like against Oakland, you know, where Mahomes was just sitting back there surveying and just throwing bombs. But he was still throwing the bombs. He just maybe was like taking a quick step back while he did it or getting the ball out just a split second quicker. And so he wasn't so bad that the team had to, you know, really alter its game plan. When you're talking a backup, that that's all you can ask. And I largely forgot about him as the game went along as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a clearly a victory. Let's talk about the other side of the ball because the defense was really interesting in this game. Um, Lamar Jackson was obviously the first question for the Chiefs. Did they answer him, Seth? So in terms of solving the Jackson conundrum, I, 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 I'm going to be delicate here because Lamar Jackson has more like aggressive defenders than any quarterback that I can think of. Like, if you question Lamar Jackson, people freak out. And so I like Lamar Jackson. I think he's I think he's a good quarterback. But you can see that he still does have some deficiencies with his consistent accuracy if the offense doesn't scheme him an open throw. Now, sometimes he makes awesome throws. He's got a ton of arm talent. But they forced him to earn it. They forced him to sit and survey. They covered well. They played pretty good contain most of the time. That's why on his bigger plays, like the bigger scramble plays especially, it wasn't just he had this wide open lane to run down for 15 yards like he did last year. He It was after he shook a couple of tacklers. So I think they did about as good a job as you can do. You know, I would have loved to see them wrap up and finish a couple of those times. But Jackson's just slippery. He's tough to tackle, yeah. and really, again, he he had a couple of picks dropped. Imagine if imagine if Matthew picks off both of those passes, right? Which you could tell he was mad at himself mm-hmm. for not doing. It, it's we'd be everyone would be talking about, wow, man, Jackson. You know, I'll tell you what, he's really he struggled that game, but no one cares because Matthew dropped them, and that just shows how thin the line is for quarterbacks. So I think they did a pretty good job overall. Yeah, they gave up 15 in the fourth quarter. The the coverages were a little bit different. They weren't quite as aggressive. And yeah, they they allowed some stuff there. But overall, I thought they did a much better job than they did last year against a quarterback who is a better player now than he was then. 
And yeah, and I almost feel like we have to sort of separate it into two different pieces. So, Nate, I mean, let's the, the Ravens ran for 200 yards, and and a lot of that was from Lamar Jackson. And a lot of that was because of Lamar Jackson, right. because of all of the things you have to be worried about. So tell me why you're not worried about the Chiefs' run defense going forward, if that is the case. Yeah, I'm not super worried, or not as worried as, as we were, say, last year, a year ago, where it was just cons- on, on a consistent basis, week in and week out, hey, um, just hand the opposing team 140 yards on on the ground because because we could just get that transaction going right now before we even snap the ball. That that's not the case uh, today, or at least for the team right now. Like you know, they did well against Leonard Fournette in Week One. Uh, Josh Jacobs was really not a factor in in Week Two, and I know he got sort of injured as the game went on in the second quarter, but largely um, it wasn't like the Raiders went right up and down the field because they were running the ball. Yep. Baltimore's different because they lead the league in just like, we're going to just destroy you and just pound you, and we're just going to try to mentally and physically wear you out as the game goes. So in some ways, you sort of credit uh, Jim Harbaugh because there's this sort of idea that like, hey, you're down 23-6. to six. How many coaches would come out of the locker room and say, you know what, fellas? We're going to run the ball, and then we're going to run it again, and we're going to run it again, and we're going to yeah. run it again. Like in a pass-happy league, they are successful going against the normal tendencies or the normal ideas you have where, like, I'm sure Spagnuolo was like, all right, fellas, they're down 23 to 6. Uh, prepare yourselves for all the passing. And, and then, like, the Ravens come out and they're like, nah, dog, we just, we just, we going to be us. We just going to run the ball and run it again and just run it again. So if you look at the breakdown of Ingram having, you know, 16 carries for 103 yards, that is, that is the more concerning thing. Man, Lamar Jackson is so good. <laughs> And what he did to Tyron Matthew, what he did to to Alex Okafor, I mean, whoo, Alex Okafor didn't deserve he, that. He's played really well. He this played season, really and well, and him. then like the internet was like, yeah. "Did you see what Lamar Jackson did to Alex yeah. Okafor?" Man, poor Okafor. Man, he had a great pass knockdown earlier in the game. That yeah, was so right. Too. Man, poor yes. guy. That was that was ugly. That was another. That was yeah, the Lord's too bad prayer he had to again. Retire right after the game. Yeah. It, was very, <laughs> it, it was a very religious uh, experience at the game. Dudes were hitting their knees everywhere. Yeah. So I, I think I think the thing is is like, is there any running play that is memorable outside of say a Ravens touchdown? And the idea is no, just because Jackson didn't get these forty yard scrambles that are just backbreakers, and neither did Mark Ingram outside of maybe the first drive of the second half, where, again, I think the Ravens sort of surprised the Chiefs with, like, hey, we're just going to run the ball and we're not going to do anything else um, yeah. to sort of give Lamar a better chance moving forward. I- I'm not necessarily concerned just because, one, it's what the Ravens do, and, two, the games and the score still dictate what, you, what, you, what you're willing to give up as a defense. And I think Steve Spagnola, much to what Seth was saying, was like, Hey, in the second quarter, we confused Lamar Jackson. I saw it with my own eyes, and that's one of the best reasons to to be in the press box when you see all 22 versus, like, the TV because you could tell the Chiefs were lining up in certain plays or certain spots where it's like, okay, that appears to be cover one, maybe maybe cover two if we're, if we're, if we're going based on what we've seen the first two weeks. And then when the ball snapped, the, the entire secondary would shift into, say, a cover three, or there would be a blitz with the backside having more of a zone look to it. And you could tell it confused Lamar, and that's why he was scrambling, particularly on that fourth down play where he just threw it at the wide receiver's legs. Um, Bershad Breeland did a very good job of making it look like, hey, I'm going to give your wide receiver cushion on the outside. But when the ball snaps, he immediately gets in that five-yard range of where you can have contact, moves the wide receiver off his line of, of, of his route, essentially, and the play's dead from that moment on. So there are things that... 
the defense did that is fine. Um, I just wonder because of who they're playing and the fact that we haven't seen this Tennessee sort of creep in where there's a ton of slippage, I'm fine moving forward because the Ravens are just going to run the ball more and more effectively than just about any team in the league at this point. Not to just get caught navel gazing, but that was really good analysis, Nate. Thank you. That that was that was that was really, that was really helpful. I feel like I feel like I understand things better now. That was that was excellent. Hey Seth, follow that up. And actually, I want to make you talk about one specific thing because we've talked about the coverages a ton over this off season and then just these few games into the year. Uh, I would say, and you can tell me if you think this is a fair assessment or not, and you can talk about your maybe contending for your new large adult son, Bashad Breland, not as large adult son. Um, but we talked, I think a lot last year about bad games with good moments for the secondary. We'd be like, oh, well, Kendall Fuller, he, he did have this really nice play. And then ultimately, you know, the team would get dunked on, um, it seemed like against the Ravens, it was a really nice game from a coverage perspective with a few bad moments. Is that fair? And then what did you see? That's very fair. I think overall, what Nate's pointing out about, you know, rotating coverages and dropping into various mm-hmm. zone blitz looks, absolutely true. Really good analysis. And and I, I do think you could see it affect Jackson coming off his first read. He wasn't seeing the things he expected. Um, overall, I thought the coverage was really solid. I mean, Hollywood Brown, did you hear much about him? Because he's been tearing the league up. Right. And, yeah. you, I mean, he made a great catch down the sideline against Breland. But the job of a, of a cornerback, even a guy like if you know, oh, trade for Jalen Ramsey, trade for Patrick Peterson, whatever. The job of even a shutdown cornerback. <laughs> yeah, one of those people. <laughs> if you were one of those people, who clearly none of us are. The, the job of those those guys is to make it as difficult as possible. You can't beat mm-hmm. a perfect throw or a, an incredible catch. DeAndre Hopkins has made his career out of this, right? Like guys have good coverage and he just catches mm-hmm. the ball anyway. And so the job is to make them earn it. And that's what the secondary mostly did outside of a couple of those jump balls, which again, you got to at least, you know, some of those are going to get caught. That's why they're called 50-50, right? But instead they were like, you know, 100-0 and that's not okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, Lamar threw up another 100-0 ball, you know, it's just, that's not great. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, by and large, they, they were where they were supposed to be. They closed off lanes. They bracketed guys well down the field. And this is something that I think your, your average fan can miss on the broadcast you know a lot of these throws like up the seam or down the sideline that are way down the field it looks like the quarterback's just overthrowing the receiver the reason that happens is when a safety in a corner effectively bracket they shrink the window so much that the quarterback has to put it high and outside and it's almost impossible to effectively thread that needle and it just looks like an overthrow there's a reason you're seeing more of those this year and it's because of better safety play from Juan Thornhill than what we saw last year and better coverage than what we saw from the corners last year. Uh, okay, we have, as always on this show, can we just do two hours? Can someone please call the Athletic HQ and ask if we can do a two-hour podcast? Um, I, I want to talk about Emmanuel Ogba and Frank Clark. Nate, I'm going to give you Emmanuel Ogba. I'm going to give Seth Frank Clark. We'll start with, with Seth because I, I think his feelings are hurt. Okay, good. Well, man, my mentions are filled with people. Hey, what's wrong with Frank Clark? Why doesn't he have 18 sacks? And okay, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> and if I'm straw manning you a little bit, like Seth well, might be showing his hand on this topic. Yeah. Well, look, here's the reality of the situation. For through the first two games, people are like, oh man, you know, I don't know, I don't know. I need to see Clark collect a sack. Then he gets a sack against Baltimore, and people are like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I need to see him get 
more, I guess. Look, Lamar Jackson is really hard to sack, unless you're Emmanuel Ogba, apparently. But he, he picked up a sack at a crucial time in the game, which, by the way, was one of the funniest sacks I've ever seen because he just jumps on his back. And then you see Jackson keeps moving, and you can almost picture Clark saying to him because they're kind of spinning in place, and you can almost picture Clark going, dude, don't make me do this. Don't make me. Dude, knock it off. Don't make me do this, Lamar. And then they, the refs kind of stopped it because I, you know Clark was getting ready to chuck him. Like, just like, dude, quit fighting me. Quit fighting me. I'm going to hurt you. But anyway, he hit him another time. He had a great tackle for loss. He had a couple of other run stuffs right beyond the line. Clark, again, played. He played a slightly louder role than he played the first couple weeks. But he still played pretty well. They're rotating guys in a ton. But Clark, in my opinion, played pretty well. you got to watch how often the edge rushers are playing contain. You've got to watch that because I hear so many people, especially throughout the first half, like, oh, man, the edge rushers are getting stonewalled. It's like, no, they're, they're playing contain. They can't rush to the inside, yeah. and the tackles know it. It's a lot easier to block a guy when you know what he's doing. I thought Clark was fine. I thought he impacted the game more than he impacted the first two. I think that's fair. Um, now, Emmanuel Agba was doing a lot of things at a much lower price tag, and I don't mean to just throw gasoline on that fire, but Agba was excellent. So everything Seth just said about Frank Clark is all fair and good. Emmanuel Agba showed up a lot when I don't feel like I saw him once during training camp do anything this exciting. So did any of us know who Emmanuel Agba was when, when, when the offseason started? Because I didn't. I certainly didn't. And I covered this league for a living. So Emmanuel Agba, the, the, the defensive player that literally no one in Kansas City knew of, but on a contract year, again, contract year, undefeated, is playing really well. And the best thing about what Agba's done is when he gets when he gets a little bit of space, he goes right at the quarterback. There's no there's no idea of like, hey, I'm gonna really razzle dazzle. There's no spinning. There's no like, hey, he just goes in one direction, and that is towards the quarterback. And even for a guy like Lamar Jackson, super elusive, it worked. Um yeah. his sacks have been some of the most surprising Things that have occurred this year, particularly he got the first sack uh, in Jacksonville. He was the first guy to ever sack Gardner Minshew. Little known stat that you can throw out to all your friends. So all this is to say. It's your super cool friends. It's your super cool friends. So he leads the team. I I believe I need to look this up, but I think he leads the team in sacks. I mean, who had that in like weeks after completing week three? I I know Chris Jones has had a couple, um, but I, I think for the for the Chiefs, this goes back to. All the little things sort of matter um, when you're trying to build a football team. Clearly, Steve Spagnola felt that, like, yes, I'm not going to be Bob Sutton, which was like, hey, that's rule number one in this job. And two, <laughs> I'm still going to have a good pass rush. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to disregard that or like understand that the Chiefs had like pretty good pass rush last year. Like, hey, can we, you know, sort of replicate that with a new collection of guys? And he has Frank Clark, obviously. Chris Jones is still on the team, but with Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Agba. It appears that Brett Veach has won yet another low-risk trade where he traded away Eric Murray, who was not making the team uh, and was really a was really a John Dorsey pick based on my understanding. Like, hey, like, you know, say what you will about Eric Murray. He fine. He okay. Like, he played last night against the Browns <laughs> and Rams game and was... And was again okay. Like he was, he was fine. Not an embarrassment, but not like you know, not a plus player, not a above average player. So basically, he calls John Dorsey and says, "Hey, I know you. I mean, I know you love Eric Murray. I mean, look, man. I mean, between Eric, Eric, 
you know, Barry's contract. And like, I don't know, man, we might look at somebody in the draft like, hey, you want Eric Murray, dog? And, you know, you know how John Dorsey was like, he was just chewing that gum like, buddy boy, what you got for me? <laughs> okay. Huh. Huh. Eric Murray, huh? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> Uh, let's make this deal happen, kiddo. So they make the trade, and then why do you sound like Baker Mayfield doing a John Dorsey I don't know, impression? I don't know. Well, it's a lot of chewing, it's a lot of chewing gum. saying, but boy, and you have, and you have to understand that, like, I'm in a Cleveland Brown sweater because that's all he wears, apparently. So oh, <laughs> uh, you you transform before our very ears. I, I heard it happen. Yeah, and so they did this trade, and. You think, okay, man, I'm cool, whatever, all right, cool, not making the Browns. Like, now he's now he's this player. Now he's a guy that you have to use. Now he's a guy that can keep, you know, Alex Okafor and uh, Frank Clark fresh for the fourth quarter. So, like, as Seth mentions, when he does get his sack, when you absolutely need a sack late in the fourth quarter of a team that's trying to rally, Frank Clark has the necessary, you know, sort of, he's not totally wiped out. He's not f- fully fatigued. Because guys like Emmanuel Agba and Tano Passigno are capable enough to make plays within their own means, sort of in the middle of the game, so that the stars can come through late in the fourth quarter. Um, this has been a pleasant surprise. I, I did not see this coming. And there's just all these trades that Brett Veach has made where he appears to win them. They are not the blockbuster ones that clearly fans want, where it's like, hey, you you, you traded for Frank Clark. You gave a first-round pick. You gave him all this money. He needs to lead the league in sacks forever. <laughs> <laughs> With that being forever. said, you still got to build the team, um, and that comes down to like your second-tier guys, your second-line guys, the backups who are still going to be counted on to play. And for right now, Brett Veach has done a pretty good job with those types of moves. Hey, Brashad Breeland, kind of need that to work. It's worked out so far. Emmanuel Agba trade has worked Mm -hmm. out so far. Uh, Damian Wilson has worked out so far. So there's all these sort of smaller moves that fans should understand, too, while you also got to get a big splash in, you know, the offseason to help transform the defense with a guy like Frank Hart. It worked out about as well as you would hope from a pass rushing standpoint, given how good and how elusive Lamar Jackson is. Where they sacked him, they sacked him more times than the than the Ravens sacked Patrick Mahomes. And anytime that's the case, I think you're going to be fine with that. Even if you feel like Frank Clark hasn't done enough, as you sort of assumed based on looking at his like highlight tape from from Seattle. And by the way, Emmanuel Ogba does lead the team in sacks and tackles for loss. Uh, two and a half sacks, and Passanio, Clark, Jones, and Fuller are all tied for second place with one sack. Half a sack for Damian Wilson, and then that's the end of the list. Three, three games. So take that for what you will. I know Seth loves a good box score, so that's uh, <laughs> that's going to be, I think, how we probably wrap up the conversation <laughs> about the pass rush today. It's really all you need. You just need sack numbers, tackles for loss, maybe pressures, but that's really – little do you know, do most people know, you don't have to watch these games. You can just read the box scores. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, we've got no time left, so I will just say Jalen Ramsey told the Jags last night that he was going to have the flu today, <laughs> so he's not – practicing i just wanted to mention that he is still at the moment a jacksonville jaguar he doesn't seem to love that fact uh nate just report right now that the chiefs are trading for him so we can say that this is an exclusive scoop oh uh, I, I cannot i cannot tell you that as of 9 15 a.m on our lovely monday mornings but i can tell you that for jalen ramsey and his agent well played fellas 
well played. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like Seth's about to call in sick. Uh, tell us he's gonna have the flu on Friday for this show <laughs> because it it seems like you have been beaten down by the the masses at Arrowhead. I'm I'm tired, man. But you know what? I'm 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 unbowed. I will finish this article and then collapse. I maybe should do some lawyering today, but probably not because I mean it'll it'll probably be fine. But life is good, so man. Seth's article is gonna have. 10 billion things in it, right, Seth? I just want to give a quick taste of what's coming up. Yeah, yeah, 10 billion things. I know, I just want to go over some of the ways that the Chiefs team, this Chiefs team is improved from last year and how it was demonstrated against Love the it. Ravens. And, you know, it'll have a thing or two or six or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I hope someone checks on Seth. I'm, Seth, I'm going to text you at like, at like 8 o'clock tonight and just ask if you're still awake. I need you to go get some rest, okay? I can do uh, that. You can also go read Nate's story on uh, that we talked about at the top of the show about the third and nine play that the Chiefs had in place with Mahomes and Andy Reid. And if you haven't caught up on this yet, The Athletic would like to introduce you to The Lead. It's the first daily sports news podcast that covers everything from the world stage all the way down to the hometown. The Athletic home to obviously the best storytelling and clearly the best podcasts in sports, and Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator, take you behind the box score, which is something that Seth is very passionate about. So with the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto dive deep into the biggest and most fascinating stories of the day with new episodes every weekday morning. The lead is sports up close. Today's episode is about the Patriots' breaking point. They spent just 11 days with Antonio Brown, and then it all collapsed again. Why? Why did it take so long with all the controversy around Antonio Brown with this team? What was the final straw? They look at the history of the Patriots uh, taking on some of these riskier players and analyzing the the famous Patriot way that has gotten New England lots of Super Bowls, and also, this week, a little bit of trouble on their hands. So you can go check out the lead right here on The Athletic. All right, have we done it, everyone? Did we do another podcast? Do you feel like we've thrown some 50-50 balls that maybe have landed in our team's hands? We've accomplished a podcast. Of course. I mean, excellent. I mean, we're, we're the guy that, like, catches a ball that he has no reason or any luck catching <laughs> and then gets him and goes and just with his, like, his right arm just goes, first down! Yeah, I meant to do <laughs> yeah. that, even though the yeah. pass was terrible, <laughs> even though I was juggling it, and in the midst of the play, I was like, oh, dear God, let me catch this. But when I get up, I was confident in that first down. Like, we moved the chains, boys. <laughs> you can just say we're Demetrius Harris. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> He did have a touchdown last night. Shout out to Demetrius. Hey, Hey, he will catch all the hard ones. The easier ones, uh, we'll get back to you on that. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Nate, sign us off however you feel uh, appropriate for today's show. Listen here, buddy boy. We may be one and two, (laughs) but we're still coming for the Chiefs.